Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Hey everybody, welcome to church. Uh, My name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at First Baptist Hanford, and we're glad that you're joining us again. I hope you had a, uh, a great Easter last week, obviously probably a different Easter, but a great one uh, nonetheless. And this week we're actually starting a brand new series, and uh, it's called Family Tree. And we're really excited about any series that we get an opportunity to talk about the idea of family. Uh, my family is the most important thing in the world to me, and my guess is, is that you would actually probably say the same thing about yourself, even if it weren't true. You, you kind of have to say that or else you'd get into big trouble with somebody else in your family. That's just kind of how it works. Family is indeed a, a big deal. And most of you know uh, by now that I have a, a wife named Sarah, a beautiful wife named Sarah. Uh, I have five boys. All of them are under the age of 11. And we have a new dog. Um, and so our family is a very, very busy family. Um, and, and I don't know what it is about my family, um, but I feel like that we always need to have somebody who is in the process of being potty trained right now. Um, we had kids in diapers for 11 years, and right after our last kid got out of diapers, we decided to get a new dog. Um, and so we get to continue to clean up urine uh, with the best of them. But regardless, I digress. Uh, families are the most important thing in the world when it comes to our personal lives after our relationship with God. Families, they play a huge role in the formation of our thoughts. They play a huge role in the formation of our actions, of our lifestyles, all of those things. Our families have everything to do with them. I know that my wife has certain idiosyncrasies because of the fact that she was brought up in a large family. I have things that I do a specific way because of the fact that I was brought up in a small family. Our families are not only important to us, but, but how our families function really do play a massive role in how each and every one of us turn out. I know there are even people who have a difficult time talking about God as God the Father because their relationship with their dad growing up was so terrible. I know that there's uh, people, the metaphor that is used in being part of the, the family of God um, can be a difficult one as well if you've never actually been a part of a healthy family before or understand what a healthy family should look like. So family is a massive deal. Family shapes who we are. It shapes our belief system. It even shapes inconsequential decisions, things like your opinion on whether or not pineapple belongs on pizza or not. Family plays a huge role in different things. And I don't know where you're at with your family. You know, series like this are always a little bit touchy or can be touchy because of different life circumstances that we're all in. Maybe you're single, maybe you're married or widowed, you have no kids, you have young kids, you have grown kids, you have estranged kids, you have enmeshed kids, maybe you're a grandparent and you're trying to figure out how to to teach your grandkids and your kids how to love God and honor God uh, with your lives. All of us have been given a completely and totally different hand in life regarding our family. And the family we grew up with, it is our responsibility to do our best to honor God in our familial circumstances, whatever those circumstances may be. Men, 
how do you lead your families? You know, for some of us who, who have just gotten laid off because of COVID-19. Or working moms, how do you keep up with the stay-at-home moms and not feel guilty for being at work? Stay-at-home moms, how do you support your kids and families to the best of your ability when you feel like you're trapped at home all day? Single people, how do you even fit into the church when it seems like the culture in most churches is simply to ask when you will get married so you can begin to be useful to the church? That tends to just kind of be the, be the narrative. Our identities are wrapped up in our roles, in our families, in our familial structures. And it kind of forces us to ask the question then, why is the family structure so important? Scripture actually has a lot to say about the importance of the family structure. And beyond just Scripture, I think it's important to look at the context in which a lot of this Scripture is written. But the family structure is important because it came from God. If for no other reason that the family structure is important, forget about all of those other things that I said about the decisions that we make and the role that we play and all of those different things. The family structure is important for one reason and one reason alone, and it's simply this. It's because it came from God. Because God ordained the family. God created the family. It even says that in Genesis 1.27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God created the first family. This isn't something that, that wasn't planned. It was planned from the very beginning that God would give man a helper because of the fact that he was alone. And thank God for that. And then he told them to be fruitful and multiply. It wasn't like Adam and Eve just one day realized, oh, hey, we could have kids. No, God, God from the very beginning, ordained the family. He created humans in such a way to be able to create a family. It was a command from God to go and have kids. This was his plan. So if this was God's plan, obviously there is a right way and a wrong way to go about playing the role, our specific roles in the family of God, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But first, I want to walk through the family structure in the Old Testament and specifically to a Jewish family. And the reason I want to do that is because anything we see written in the Old Testament was, for the most part, generally written to a Jewish audience. So we want to make sure we understand what the family structure for the people of Israel would have looked like. And as I'm walking you through this, it's going to feel a little bit kind of like I'm classifying organisms, like when you were back in high school, biology you know, utilizing the idea of binomial nomenclature that my biography or my biology teacher, not biography, my biology teacher, Mr. Bell, taught me. And we kind of are, except the Old Testament people would have identified themselves with three different classifications. So uh, rather than binomial nomenclature, uh, we're going to actually utilize trinomial nomenclature. And, and the way they would have classified themselves, the Old Testament Jews would have been as follows. The first is tribes. This would be your tribes specifically. And so tribes is the kind of the least important group for us to understand as a family, but it is indeed important. So when the people of God were really becoming the people of God, they were divided up into 12 tribes. And a person's tribal identity, a Jewish person's tribal identity was important. And in wartime, the military uh, understanding was really on a tribal basis. And so if a, if a group of people were, were at war, it was a tribal war. In terms of practical kind of social 
impact on ordinary life, though, the tribe was the least significant. So as I'm talking about kind of my classification as an individual, if this were still reign true today, my tribe would have been Hanford. If you live in Hanford, your tribe would be Hanford, Lamore, kind of Lamore. Um, the, next, the next piece down, though, the next classification down would have been clans. And a clan really is the community that you are a part of. So you would have more in common with these people than you would with everybody else in your tribe. But it isn't the most specific classification still. So for me, I recognize that I live in the Ridgecrest area of Hanford. I probably have more in common with people in that Ridgecrest area, maybe my socioeconomic status specifically, than I would with other people who live in different parts of Hanford. So my clan really is that kind of community that I'm a part of. If we go on a walk or something like that, I would see these people out and about. That doesn't necessarily mean this is the greatest classification towards my family structure. The greatest classification for my family structure would have actually been the father's house. And this is the household in which you belong to. So for me, it would be the Anderson household. I am the head of my household. So Anderson. This would be slightly different today, though, uh, because these houses, these people's houses, households, were literally the heads of the family or the oldest living male of the family. And there's a whole bunch of different rules and regulations that kind of went into it that we don't need to go into. But in my case, it would be the same. It would still be Anderson simply because my dad and my grandparents uh, have all passed away. But for those of you uh, with older males still living, you would be in their household. So if my dad was still living, then I would be a part of my dad's household. However, he's not, so it is my personal household. So as you're identifying yourself, kind of think through it. What would your tribe be? Maybe it's Hanford, maybe it's Lemoore, maybe it's wherever it is that you're tuning in from. But what would your tribe be? What would your clan be? Kind of your community, your immediate community of people, and then what house uh, is it that you would belong to? So I would be of the Hanford tribe and the clan Ridgecrest of the Anderson household. As I think about it, it actually makes me feel and sound uh, pretty dignified when I announce myself that way. But they did this for a number of reasons. They used this classification for a number of reasons, one of which was to be able to trace people's lineage, uh, which was something that was incredibly important in Scripture. Uh, it was important to preserve history. It was important to protect their property. So as things were handed down from generation to generation, you can understand who it actually belongs to as they kind of traced the lineage. And then lastly, and probably most importantly for us today, it was used to ensure that the prophecy regarding Jesus coming to earth was fulfilled properly. So they could trace back to the prophecies that said that Jesus was going to come from the Davidic line, from the line of David. They could trace that all the way back because of the fact they took such good care of their genealogies at the time. So the family in the Old Testament, though, really was this intersection of kind of their belief in God, their economic structure, their identity, uh, and their land. Those different things where they all kind of intersected at family. And if you think about it today, this is actually kind of the same way that our families function. That at the middle of all of these things that we come to a belief in God, our families have a belief in God for the most part, at least when they are under our household, my kids right now have the same belief in God 
that I do, at least until they're old enough to make their own decisions. And I hope and I pray that all of my boys will come to the same understanding that I have regarding who God is. But then also their identity, kind of socially speaking, who are they? What things is it, it, uh, do they stand for outside of God? You know, are we a baseball family? Are we a basketball family? Really important things like that. But even socially speaking, where do we kind of stand in the pecking order and that sort of thing, right? So uh, uh, who their identity is. And then lastly, land. And so the, the Jews, when they were talking specifically about land, they were talking more about kind of their bank account, like what things that they owned, how big of land did they own, how, many, how much uh, cattle and livestock and that sort of thing that each of them owned. So it had really a ton to do uh, with their well-being overall. And that's the same thing that we see today. For the most part, we see that people who come from, uh, from higher economic income families uh, tend to be higher earners uh, later on in life. Same thing with people who tend to be poor. I'm not saying this is true 100% of the time. I think it's very possible for people to squander all their money or to work their way up out of poverty. I think all of those things are true. But for the most part, this is as true today as it was back then. In the New Testament, though, we see things shift a little bit because the concentration in the New Testament isn't specifically on Jewish families. The concentration in the New Testament is just people as a whole. And so it's on everyone largely. And what is talked about regarding family in the New Testament is covered by a word that we've actually used quite a bit here uh, in our congregation before, and that term is oikos. Oikos is a Greek word loosely translated that means household. And so that's that's a simplification of the word, but it was used to denote anybody that the head of the home oversaw. And so if I lived back then and, and I had different people who maybe were working for me or, or slaves were a part of the home or anything like that, then it would be kids and spouse and workers and slaves and anybody really that was under my care or under the head of the household's care was considered someone who was part of your oikos. And since the household really was a major feature of the Jewish world as well as uh, a major feature of kind of the Greco-Roman world, it's not surprising then that these households played a significant role in the growth and the character of the early Christian movement. And so we need to recognize that household, our homes, our families are a pivotal piece in the role of the church and how the church functions. The Jerusalem church worshipped and was instructed in the household. We have numerous verses that tell us about this. Acts 2, verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Then what did they do? They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the church functioned in the households. They went to a place to see teaching normally or hear teaching. Normally that would be a physical location. Back then it would have been a physical location. Even a couple of weeks ago for us would have been a physical location. Our temple courts right now are online. That's simply where we're meeting. But church happens in the home where they broke bread and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Acts 5.42, it says day after day in the temple courts, online for us, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That means they went from home to home, family to family, teaching about who God is, teaching about what Jesus did for people. And another one, Acts 12, 12. 
When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. People were gathering and praying at somebody's house. These were people who would have been part of their oikos probably. So family plays an incredibly pivotal role in this. Families and households were at the epicenter of the church. The conversion of the entire household of Cornelius speaks to that. That's in Acts chapter 10. This was this first uh, decisive transition of the gospel from just Jewish families to Gentile families. Paul's missionary strategy as Paul went out and decided that that God had, had called him to go and bring the gospel to Gentile people. His strategy followed suit as the nucleus of most of his churches consisted of one or several households. He would go home to home to home to home teaching about Jesus. So the family, the household really was the epicenter of the church. So the question then again is why is the family structure so important? The family is important because God created the family to honor him in all things. The church, the family was God's plan A for spreading the gospel. And beyond that and beyond this, everybody has their specific role to play. Family was an institution ordained by God to provide a safe, a nurturing enclosure where Husbands and wives can love one another, uh, where children can be conceived, they can be born, they can be adopted, they can be raised, they can be loved, encouraged, instructed, and ultimately released then to form their own families. The family is the place that is designed to meet our basic human needs. It's a place to learn values. It's a place to learn theology. It's a safe, secure place to learn from our own failures. It's a place to live out our sorrows. It's a place to discover the meaning of life. It's a place to talk. It's a place to think and try out out different ideas. In families, we should be loved and disciplined and given a good example to follow. Fathers lead. Moms nurture. It's a place where we develop character in an atmosphere of unconditional and accountable love. It is the messiest and best thing God could have given to us outside of our freedom in him. And it is so important for us to honor God with our families. And I don't know how each of you needs to do that in your current setting. I don't know how each of you needs to honor God with your family. I do know that most of you are stuck with your family and just your family for the next few weeks. And you have been stuck with your family probably for about the last month or so. And things are not going to get easier. They're only going to get more challenging. So rather than cowering away from family and and diving into Facebook or jumping into your phone again or anything like that, think how you could, think about how you can recognize that the family was a blessing given, given to us by God. The family was a blessing for us to nurture, to love, and to be loved by. What would it look like? Church, if while we were all locked down on quarantine, we dug into the blessing that our families are, we recognize that the families are the epicenter of the church. Even for me, right? I know that, that, that even my wife and I have been more frustrated than normal with each other because we like doing things our own way and with our own kind of established rhythms. And when, when all of a sudden those rhythms are upset because I want to help put the groceries away, but when I help put the groceries away, I do them 
my way. Or a kid wants to load the dishwasher to earn some allowance, and we need to take a step back, and rather than jump on each other because he put the bowls in the wrong section of the lower rack in the dishwasher, rather than jumping on each other because of that, we simply thank God for the fact that we have somebody else to help carry the burden for us, somebody else in our lives to help carry the weight of what it is that we're going through. If we just took extra time in the morning maybe to read a Devo or a portion of Scripture to your family, to sit down and do a puzzle and talk about what dreams one another has, what your kids want to be when they grow up. I just did this with one of my younger sons, Colin. I said, Colin, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to be a police officer, I want to be a fighter, fi- firefighter, I want to be an inventor, and I want to be a, post- a postman. He said, which one? He said, all of them. I want to do all of them. You're going to have trouble with managing your time well then, son. And so, the, but, but I got an opportunity to sit and talk with him about that. And that, those are some of the things that come out about it. Man, have your kids tell you the story of Jonah in their own words. And don't correct them so everybody can just laugh about it. Like, do some of these things to just begin to appreciate again the fact that God has given us a family. And that in that family, we get an opportunity to honor God in that. And what if the church just decided to take this time as a blessing to reestablish the most important piece of our lives outside of God, which is our family? The church would be healthier than it has been in a long time, simply because we stopped and we thanked God for the family we have and invested in each and every person that he has blessed us with. And what a powerful thing that would be. So my challenge to you is this week, simply this week, do a puzzle with your family and thank God for the people that he's placed in your care. Because God created the family, God ordained the family to be the church. And what a rare opportunity we get in this day and age to simply go back to being the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm, uh, man, I'm so thankful for my family for Sarah and Cooper and Micah and Owen and Colin and Noah. God, and the role that they play in my life, the blessing that they are in my life. And God, I just pray that we would all just take a second right now and just by name in our heads say thank you for each and every person that is in our family. God, we're so thankful for them. And they are indeed a blessing. And I pray, God, that we as a church, that we as a body of believers would come to recognize that blessing in our lives. Would come to recognize that the family is the epicenter of the church. And that we all have a role to play. And God, for those who are watching right now, listening right now, who have not yet said yes to you, but recognize that, man, my family is the most important thing to me. And, and they've said yes to God, and I, I, I want to say yes to God as well, that they would just follow along with me with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. They would say, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. That I mess up all the time, that it just even seems like day after day, this quarantine is making it harder and harder for me to not mess up. 
Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But B, I, I believe that you sent your son to the cross on my behalf. And we celebrated that last week. That you sent your son to the cross and he defeated death on my behalf so I could be with you in eternity forever and live for you on this side of eternity. Proclaiming your name to other people as I see choose to follow you every single day of my life. Father, we choose to follow you in our families, in our oikos, in our worlds. Father, we love you so much. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.